You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast on issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. Cancer treatments can come with a variety of physical and emotional side effects. As awkward as it may be to talk about, that includes side effects that might change our ability to have or enjoy sex. On this episode, I'll talk to Joanne Rash about why treatments like chemotherapy and radiation can affect women's sexuality, some of the most common sexual health concerns she sees in her patients, and how she helps them approach intimacy in new ways. Joanne is a physician's assistant in the UW Carbone Cancer Center. She specializes in gynecologic oncology and co-founded the Women's Integrative Sexual Health Clinic. I'm very pleased to welcome Joanne Rash to the Women's Health Cast today to talk about sexual health after cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. So part of the reason I wanted to talk to you is because here at the UW, you helped create the Women's Integrated Sexual Health Clinic. Tell me a little bit about that clinic. What are its goals and kind of its function? Yeah, that's a great question. So Lori Seaborn and myself, uh, we were both physician assistants working in gynecologic oncology at the time. And we found ourselves getting what I call, you know, doorknob questions. And, you know, I'd ask people about bowel and bladder function, and I'd be really good about asking about pelvic pain and all kinds of things, bleeding. But um, sexual health questions, sometimes I would bring up, sometimes the patient would bring up. And there was never really a formal way to address the issues or have to be perfectly honest time to dig in about the issue. And so she noticed the pattern. I noticed the need. We got to talking because we shared an office. We took it to Dr. Kushner, who was the division chair at the time and also has had interest in this topic. And so the three of us together kind of said, what would our dream be? Our dream would be to have time and space dedicated to this topic. And then we said, okay, can we do that? It took time, but by working with lots of people throughout the Cancer Center, by partnering with our colleagues throughout the entire Cancer Center, we were really able to launch the WISH program. And so, yeah, it was just kind of a, a slow and steady growth personally as I learned more about the topic and was able to do more counseling for folks. But also it was just a nice really robust addition, I think, to the cancer center as a whole. And we do see women not only with gynecologic oncology cancers, but also women throughout the whole entire cancer center with any diagnosis of cancer. That was actually one of my questions. If patients from and basically any type of cancer could come and access services. Yep, absolutely. So when I look at who, from a diagnosis standpoint, comes to see us in the WISH clinic, we see a lot of folks with breast cancer, A, because that's common in women. We have a good size gynecologic oncology population, which you would expect because the program birthed out of that program. And then we see folks with GI cancers, right? Lymphomas, leukemias, rectal cancers, lung cancer, you name it. Women can come and see us about their concerns. How common are sexual health issues as a side effect from cancer for women? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's something that as providers, we need to know that answer. And as patients, we need to be told those answers, right? So Live Strong does a survey, and they had a survey in 2010, and they asked people, all people, not just women, but all folks with cancer diagnosis, and over half had a sexual concern during or after treatment. And when they broke down the data, if you looked at just women with all cancer types, 63% of women reported issues. And so it's real. And so it's important that A, providers give anticipatory guidance, right? And talk to people about, you know, these are things that you might have changed after your treatment. 
but also ask, are you having challenges with intimacy, right? What are you noticing? And just open the door. And what's nice, I think what happened at Carbone is that once other providers and in the whole cancer center um, knew that the resource was available, then they said, aha, I can ask the question, I can get an answer of I'm having trouble, and then I know my resource to be able to send folks to. I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to spend an hour counseling. I can give them the referral. I think you can feel that at the Cancer Center, that it's a nice thing to have this great service for women, no matter what their cancer diagnosis is. So tell me a little bit about what patients might be experiencing that might lead a, a, one of their cancer doctors to refer them to the WISH clinic. So what kind of maybe physiological issues can come up either during treatments or even after? Right. I think things that are the most common issues are would be pain, right? Why do people have pain with um, penetrative intercourse, right? That would be one, dryness, vaginal dryness, whether that's from hormonal changes that are happening, whether someone was placed into menopause via surgery or placed into menopause via anti-hormonal therapy. So that can change um, dryness. And if, especially in, a, in folks with breast cancer, those ladies can be younger, right? And then they're put into menopause prematurely. And, and so then they and their partner sometimes are out of out of sync when it comes to the aging process. How do we support those women? And so pain, dryness, sometimes radiation therapy will actually change the tissue and the flexibility of tissue. So that can change. We see body images and how do I feel as a a person? How do I feel about my cancer and grief? And so we get um, health psychology resources involved. We have sex therapy to refer folks to. So a whole bunch of issues can come up along the way. And it's important that each issue gets addressed. So it sounds like some of the physical symptoms can be side effects of treatments like surgery or chemotherapy or radiation. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that's correct. We see um, common things from surgery, right? Like scarring, right? Swelling of tissues, lymphedema is the fancy word. Numbness can happen, so sensation changes, right? So that can happen on people's bottoms and that can happen on the breast tissue. The um, vaginal length sometimes from surgery changes. And so people can have an ostomy created, right, where the bowel content comes out into a bag on the abdominal wall. And so how do people adjust to those things and how do we support people with kind of finding new ways to still be intimate with the effects of surgery. Um, I think of um, radiation therapy. That changes how tissue sometimes feels. It sometimes feels thickened or the nerve sensation changes, but it also can change the flexibility of tissue and also set people up for swelling. And so those types of changes that can be long-lasting after treatment are important to be able to try to troubleshoot and address and Sometimes there's things that we can do to try to optimize function or help flexibility return to tissue. What kind of things? What sort yeah, of things do you recommend? That's a great question. So there's a whole spectrum, and so it kind of depends on what the person's noting. But supplying moisture to the vagina is one thing that we talk to lots of women about, whether that's using a water-based lubricant on a regular basis, not only for intercourse, right, but also for sexual play that requires like finger touching and rubbing over the tissue. Um, that's really important to let the let there be less friction and let those structures feel more supported and have that gliding sensation. But also people 
can use that water-based lubricant, especially if it's a good quality water-based lubricant, to just straight up moisturize the vagina, right? Just like you would apply hand lotions to your hand during the winter in Wisconsin, right? Applying moisture to the vagina and that mucous membrane is really important as well. Water-based lubricants are great for that. There are other Fancier options that we sometimes talk to people about, if people are postmenopausal and we know that reliably, even some vitamin E in the vagina can be helpful. Usually once a week, not too much. We don't want to have that oil-based product in there and causing infection, and that's why it's for postmenopausal women. But it's a trick that you can people can try as well, just to kind of soothe the tissue and seal in moisture as well. That's kind of step one. Step two would be to think about using a dilator or a vibrating wand in the vagina. So there's different styles of those. You can go online and find those. You can go to a store here in Madison called A Woman's Touch that's run by a physician and a social worker, and they're really great folks there, and they're really good at having some um, knowledge based on our cancer patients because we partnered with them early on to just say, tell us more, tell us how things are going and what you're noticing from the private sector and how what we're noticing here in clinic and, and having some partnership. And there's a vibrating wand that's fairly straight. It's got a nice big handle. It's got a little um, hook on the end that you can kind of hold on to. So for ladies that might have arthritis or it's just hard to kind of reach down and around to get something in the vagina, the Oasis wand can be helpful. And there's lots of other styles that you can find on the market that are similar, but it's something to start at looking at. And then they come in different sizes, right? So one, the first size, size number one, would be about the size of my index finger. And then size number two would be about two fingers for insertion into the vagina. And then size three would be kind of like a rounded three finger insertion. And so people can kind of start at one spot, feel comfortable with using the wand, use the wand to help kind of stretch the tissue slowly, not aggressively, but just slowly kind of press into the tissue to allow some more flexibility, have that vibration. You know, we hope that it brings in blood supply. We hope that it brings in flexibility to the tissue. And so that can be a helpful kind of process to start at a lower dilator and move your way up, whether it's a vibrating wand or even just in clinic, we have static white dilators that are one centimeter round and a centimeter and a half round and two centimeters, right? You just build up to the size that, that is desired. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It's a, you know, multiple days a week kind of a thing, but that kind of process can also help women. Do patients ever come in with partners and kind of have an opportunity to talk through some of the issues that they're experiencing together? Yeah, that's a great point. So intimacy is not always just a one-way street, right? Um, usually it's with a partner. And partners sometimes feel really confused, right, on, I don't know, does she, what does she want from me? And they sometimes um, have expressed guilt over, like, I really want things to go back the way they were before cancer entered our lives. And I feel guilty wanting that because I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to pressure her, right? And so having partners as part of the conversation is a great point. Sometimes women come by themselves. I would say that most of the time they come by themselves. Sometimes it's just practicality of work schedules and work-life balance. But also, you know, there's women that bring their partners and they are more than welcome to come to the WISH clinic in a supportive manner with their partner. And sometimes it's helpful as a provider to see the dynamic, right? And to say, oh, I hear your partner saying this, he or she is concerned about that. What do you think? And kind of being that safe person to kind of help them through that process. 
If it's basic, I have no problem kind of helping through that process. If it's more complicated, that's a great insight to saying, you know, maybe couples counseling, maybe sex therapy, maybe our health psychologist is the right resource for you as a couple. And so it's important sometimes to certainly ask about partner dynamics, whether the partner's there or not, um, and get a sense of how are things as the couple goes through. We always encourage people to talk to their partners, even if their partner doesn't come to the appointment. I always ask, does your partner know you're here today? right? What is he or she expecting from your visit? Because setting expectations and understanding what their people's goals are for coming to the WISH clinic is important. And then I always encourage people, like we give lots of educational information. It's one of the things I really like about being a PA is the education piece. And so people go home with a blue folder and in there there's lots of information. And we usually say, share this with your partner, discuss this with your partner, not in the bedroom, but maybe at the kitchen table, maybe on the couch, in a comfortable setting that's not related to intimacy, then this is a great place to have that conversation and to start discussing something that used to be easy maybe, and you didn't have to talk about it, and it just seemed to organically happen, right? Or as couples, if they're in a relationship a while, right? There's just patterns that people fall into. And cancer comes in, shakes the foundation, and now we need to learn new ways of connecting and new patterns. And all of it can still be fulfilling and pleasurable. So I've actually heard you talk about this before. And um, you talked a lot, though, the one time I got to see this, about reframing what intimacy is. Mm -hmm. And... I thought it was a really interesting way to approach what your sexual health can look like after cancer. So tell me, I guess, tell me a little bit about how you help people walk through reconsidering what intimacy looks like for them in light of some of the changes they've encountered. Right. So I would say the most folks that we see in the WISH clinic are in a heterosexual relationships. And so when that's the case, I sometimes just kind of try to shake the ground a little bit by saying, you know, intimacy is more than intercourse. It's just not about the penis going in the vagina. And when people, when I say it that way, they kind of look at me like, well, of course. But until you say it, do you real, does your brain kind of pro- have a chance to process that? And so it's just important that as humans, right, and as adult humans, and as people throughout our lifespan, right? Whether you think of folks in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 80s and 90s, right? It's just important that we have connections and part of that is touch, right? So whether that's hugging and kissing and being held and snuggling and feeling close, right? And there's so many activities that are sensual and are pleasurable and are fun that you can do without just focusing on the penis going to the vagina. That might be part of it, and that's fantastic. But there, but I sometimes challenge people in clinic. I don't quite say it that way. But I provide homework to think about other ways to connect and feel pleasure in their bodies with or without their partner to, to kind of reconnect and find the new them. And so other course is a great word. And so it tells you like, oh, yeah. There's lots of other things we can do with this body that is sensual and pleasurable and fun. So we've talked a lot about um, the physiological side effects of cancer and cancer treatments on sexual health, but I'm kind of curious about what sort of mental and emotional issues come up related to sexual health and cancer. I think things that we see in the WISH clinic can range from... I feel 
guilty about my cancer. I feel ashamed of my cancer. I don't feel like a complete woman because of surgery or treatment, right? And so those issues are real. And those issues need to be supported. And they have to be part of the conversation. And so having the appropriate resources for health psychology to help with coping strategies, using some letter therapy where you write a letter about, you know, this is what things were like for me before, things will have changed, this is what I'm grieving, this is what I'm hopeful for the future. Those kind of strategies can be helpful to kind of shift the framework. But sometimes that work is best done by mental health professionals, right? Whether it's sex therapists, individual counselors, couples counselors, the health psychology team here is great. It's really important because one of the analogies I just use in Guy and Aunt Clinic, not even Wish Clinic, but in, in my regular practice is, you know, when people are on this cancer treatment journey, right? Especially in Guy and Aunt, we like throw surgery at you potentially. And then you come back and we talk about chemo and that lasts for months. And maybe we throw in radiation therapy and that lasts for weeks or months. And there's all these to do, to do, to do, to do, to do, to do. And people just plow through it because they have to. And so what happens during this plow throughing phase, they just shove the emotions in a box and stick it on a shelf. And eventually it's not uncommon for people to kind of come into clinic, maybe at their four week follow-up visit, maybe at the three-month follow-up visit, and this box has it kind of fallen off the shelf, hit them on the head, and exploded on the floor. And you have to be able to then deal with all those pieces that just from survival mode you put away and kind of packaged up. And and sometimes you see people actively going through therapy, and you're like, wow, they are like doing this really strong. And sometimes I worry about that, like, What's happening inside? And so it's really important, that I think, as a team, whether it's in the WISH clinic and Gynonc, whether you're in the breast center, wherever you're treated um, for cancer, that providers know that that happens and gets people to the right resources. And, and WISH clinic can be part of getting people to the right resources. I feel like sexual health conversations can be hard to bring up, even under normal circumstances, at just sort of an average gynecologic checkup. It still feels a little awkward and uncomfortable. So... Do you have tips or suggestions for patients with sexual health concerns related to their cancer diagnosis or cancer treatment to make sure that all their questions are addressed and that they're getting the information they need? That's a fantastic question. My hope is that providers are starting to become more confident in asking and providing resources. My hope is that the sexual health questions are incorporated into what I, as a provider, call review of systems. I realize that means nothing. But when I ask people about bowels and bladder and shortness of breath and leg swelling and vaginal bleeding and pain, right, that is just my list of standard questions, that in that list of standard questions as a provider, we add sexual health. And we say, hey, are you sexually active? Hey, any issues happening? What are you noticing? Do you need help with anything? Right, that's my wish. As a patient, what do you do if that doesn't happen? I would say ask. Just straight up say, I am glad that you've addressed my cancer concerns and you're looking for a recurrence and you've asked me all the right questions. I have a question for you today. And I've noticed that since treatment, I'm having some intimacy issues. And then you could say maybe one of what you're noticing, right? Things don't feel the same. Things kind of hurt. Why am I dry, right? ask those questions. And sometimes it's the aha moment for the provider going, oh, I forgot to ask that today, right? And so be brave, 
advocate for yourself, and ask. Thank you so much. Absolutely. On the next Women's Health Cast, we'll have a special guest. Dr. Samantha Butts is an Associate Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Pennsylvania with a specialty in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. We sat down to talk about her special lecture on the role of vitamin D and fertility. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to the Women's Health Cast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know if there are any women's health topics you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.